Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You're listening to Comedy Central. Studies. They tell us what to eat, how to exercise, and which of our favorite things are giving us cancer. All of them. (laughs) But with new studies coming out every day, sometimes it's hard to keep up. Luckily, though, we've got Dulce Sloan in our brand new segment, Studies Show. This week's studies are all about relationships, specifically romantic relationships. Everybody wants one, especially me. (laughs) I thought I was in one until he told me that his gifts were just Amazon packages because he's my mailman. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) All right. I can tell when somebody's playing hard to get. Thanks to new studies, we're learning all sorts of things about relationships. Like this one, which shows that the only thing gold diggers are mining for is french fries. According to a new study, many women are choosing free meals over relationships. The study in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Science says up to a third of women have engaged in a foodie call. It's when a person sets up a date with somebody they have no romantic interest in, all for a free meal. That's right. Studies show a third of all dates are just people trying to eat for free. (laughs) So, fellas, sometimes that eggplant emoji just means I'm in the mood to eat eggplant. (laughs) There's only one emoji that always means sex, and it's the hockey net. Because you're about to score, and it's nice and wide. trying to figure out what's going to happen to your relationship after the first date, we got studies for that, too. Have you ever witnessed a couple making out in public and thought, get a room? A surprising new study found that the amount of affection between you and your partner may determine whether or not a marriage will last. And we're talking about public displays of affection. They found that couples who are overly affectionate from the start of their relationship may be more likely to divorce. So... Couples are more likely to break up. Ha! That's what you get! (laughs) Always getting a third base in the stationary aisle of Walgreens. (laughs) Get your mouths off each other. I'm trying to pick a birthday card for my grandma. (laughs) I don't need y'all licking all the envelopes. (laughs) And why did 
other people have to make out in public like they haven't seen each other in a decade. He just got back from the bathroom, not Afghanistan. <laughs> Although if you did just come back from Afghanistan, thank you for your service. <laughs> Get it wet. But if you want to keep your relationship healthy, this last study shows a little jealousy can go a long way. Smart device snooping, it's something more people do than will admit. But can secretly scanning your partner's phone actually help your relationship? A new study says maybe. According to a study from the University of British Columbia and the University of Lisbon, about 25% of the participants said that their relationship got stronger after they or their significant other were caught snooping. The study concluded this strengthened bond came from a heightened desire to solve trust issues. You hear that, Daryl? <laughs> I wasn't snooping. I was strengthening the relationship. <laughs> okay? You're gonna complain that I face ID you in your sleep? Well, if you don't want that to happen, stop leaving your face open. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I have ordered several packages to my apartment. <laughs> I have to have dinner ready for when my man drops them off. Do say slow, everybody. Coming right back. As you know, March is Women's History Month. Yes. Yes. It's the one month when Mike Pence can't be alone with the calendar. And to help us celebrate, we're joined by our senior women's history correspondent, Dulce Sloan, everybody. Hello. Happy Women's History Month. Happy? It would be happy if you got me a gift. Well, another one. I, I just got you a gift for Black History Month. Yeah, because I'm black in February, and in March, I'm a woman. <laughs> oh, no, but that's not fair. Okay, so then when do I get a gift? In April, because you're a fool. <laughs> anyway, Trevor, have you ever wondered why women don't get the historic credit they deserve? Uh, sexism? Statues, Trevor. Women don't have as many statues as men. In fact, nationwide, only 8% of outdoor statues are of women. Wow. How did you know that statistic? <laughs> I drink Snapple. <laughs> I read. What? <laughs> Internet, come on, dog. And I've seen it for myself. I was walking through Central Park the other day, under duress. And I saw statues of Alexander Hamilton, Christopher Columbus, William Shakespeare, all famous men from history. When it comes to women, there's only two statues in Central Park, Alice in Wonderland and Mother Goose. <laughs> which makes no damn sense. Alice is just a white girl who took Molly. <laughs> And why does Mother Goose get a statue? All she did was f a goose! I, I don't think that's right. Fine, she made love to a goose! No, that's not right. Okay, anyway, Dulce, I'm lost. How does having more statues help? Because, Trevor, statues help us remember history. When you walk past a statue and you're like, oh yeah, MLK did have a dream. Thomas Jefferson was a complicated individual. And when you don't honor women the same way you honor men, you're leaving them out of history. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, 
Well, at least, at least women have the Statue of Liberty. That's one of the most famous statues in the world. That doesn't count. We need statues of real women, not some giant French bitch holding an ice cream. <laughs> no, someone like Toni Morrison, the first black woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Or someone like Frances Perkins, the first woman appointed to a presidential cabinet. Or someone like Beyonce. The first woman to be Beyonce. Why doesn't she have a statue? I mean, she's already standing like a statue. She's ready. This, this is actually a great idea, but, but I hope you understand, building thousands of statues is, of women is gonna be difficult. I mean, statues are expensive. You know, this is gonna be a project that's gonna take a lot of time. Oh, I've already done it, Trevor. What? I've designed one statue to symbolize all women, their power, their beauty, their mystique. A flawless avatar of womanhood <laughs> that anyone can look at and see themselves. Don't say that. That's a statue of you. Oh, Trevor. <laughs> I'm touched that you can see me in that art. No, it's literally you. It has your name on it. And also, why are you holding a baby? You don't have kids. That baby symbolizes America, okay? Which women have been carrying for far too long. Powerful. Nah, I'm kidding. This is just Elvis, baby. <laughs> Cause that's some history I wanna make. Don't say slow to everybody. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Black women, we gave you Oprah, Beyonce, and all your favorite reaction memes. I've heard people say they like their women like they like their coffee. Strong, black, and 
hot enough to give you second degree burns. Careful what you wish for, Darius. But the thing is, not all black women are strong. And even the ones that are strong aren't just that. We like doors open for us too, especially with someone with biceps like Michael B. Jordan, abs like Michael B. Jordan, hair like Michael B. Jordan. But unfortunately, the strong black woman stereotype is ingrained in American culture. It has a long history, about as old as Morgan Freeman and Betty White combined. Now you may be wondering, what is a strong black woman? It's the idea that black women are emotionally resilient, naturally selfless, too proud to ask for help, and can succeed with no resources. So basically every character played by Viola Davis. The irony is the strong black woman stereotype was started by black women to combat all the negative ones. See, in the aftermath of slavery, there were really only two stereotypes of black women. You were either some sex temptress Jezebel or a mammy who was just there to smother people in her booze. In response, black suffragette Mary Church Terrell coined the strong black woman motto, lifting as we climb. And I get what she was going for, but lift as we climb? Even bodybuilders don't do both at the same time. You can't expect a black woman to do more than Schwarzenegger in his prime. But over time, society shrank a black woman down to just her strength. And the popular conception now is that black women can bear and overcome any birth. We see it all over our culture. In movies like The Color Purple. Oh my life, I had to fight. And how can we forget ghosts? where Whoopi Goldberg literally has to let a white man use her body to rub foreheads with his fiance. Even when black women only have one line, it's strong as hell. Move, or you will be moved. Damn, at least let her say hello. But Dulce, what's wrong with being perceived as strong? Isn't it a good thing? No, not if black women destroy their mental and physical health trying to live up to it, and not if people think black women are so strong they make them do all the work on their own. Look at Stacey Abrams. She helped Democrats win Georgia, and before you knew it, she was being asked to fix vaccine distribution, the New York subway, and Kim and Kanye's marriage. The stereotype even reaches the doctor's office. Black women are less likely to be properly diagnosed, they have a much higher maternal mortality rate, and they're less likely to be believed about their symptoms and pain. So a black woman basically has to be a doctor to know everything that's going on with her body and then convince another doctor that that's what's happening. I was in a car accident. I have contusions, lacerations, and internal bleeding. Uh, get me a morphine drip and prep surgery stat. We'll get you a couple band-aids and you'll be fine. What? So the next time you see a black woman struggling at work or trying to lift a box, Help her. Don't just stand there like you're about to see Wonder Woman in action. In fact, if you're in the New York area, I'm moving this week and I could use some help moving my couch because I'll be damned if I'm gonna pull my back lifting my own couch. Hello, friends. Hispanic Heritage Month just wrapped up, but before we go, I wanna talk about reggaeton. And if you don't know what it is, you've probably heard the unmistakable beat of reggaeton before, especially if you have upstairs neighbors. Can you keep it down up there? I will not like this song. The roots of this music go back as far as the 70s and as far south as Panama. It could have started further south, but the beats are so big they don't fit through the canal. 
It was here in the 1980s when music artists started putting Spanish lyrics over Jamaican dancehall songs, creating a new sound of reggae en español. And honestly, I'm glad I wasn't there because watching Spanish words and dancehall music coming together for the first time, that'd have been too sexy to handle. There's no way you didn't leave that dance floor too pregnant. It's like being the jelly in a Diego Luna and Bad Bunny sandwich. Ooh, delicious. Two of reggaeton's earliest pioneers were Leonardo Renato Alder and Edgardo Franco. Franco would later be known as El General and even look like if the Fresh Prince got sent to military school instead of Bel Air. These two and other artists grew their new sounds by giving tapes to bus drivers who would bump their music. It's basically the way rappers in Atlanta give their singles to strip club DJs. Except in this case, you hope people jam out to your music while running late for work. In 1985, El General moved to New York City, where he began spreading early reggaeton in the clubs. It almost didn't happen though. Because while he was in New York, El General also pursued a degree in business administration in an effort to get a real job. You have to wonder, what if that path had worked out? He'd be in an office going, Ernst & Young, this is El General speaking. How may I direct your call? Thankfully, he was sucked back into music, hosting parties and performing. In 1990, he put out the song Tu Boom Boom, a tribute to the power of the pussy. <laughs> And El General's cover blew up. It was a hit in mainland America, in Puerto Rico, and spread to Central and South America. The music was spreading so fast it would have made COVID jealous. Not too far from Brooklyn on Long Island, the defining beat of reggaeton, the Dembo rhythm, was popularized by Panamanian rapper Nando Boom. The sound was originally created by Jamaican dancehall musician Chopper Ranks, who looks like if Blade became a DJ instead of fighting vampires. From there, the sound moved to a different Long Island, Puerto Rico. And here's where all the Panamanian and New York ingredients finally mixed together to make something special, like sofrito for your ears. It took off at a club called The Noise, founded by the Quincy Jones of reggaeton, DJ Negro. He had been selling hot dogs on the street to get by, and then had an idea to start a club. It was there that the genre became known as El Underground, and created a whole new generation of artists like Evie Queen. They also popularized reggaeton's most famous dance, Pereo. Oh, I know this dance. This is just me in 2005. This is the dance you do when you don't want to pay for drinks. At one point, Puerto Rico's government cracked down on El Underground and tried to regulate the lyrics and Pereo dance moves. But all that did was make El Underground more popular. This was like when your parents tell you not to date somebody, but then that person gets abs. I'm sorry, mama, you make some good points but I can wash clothes off his stomach. Later, the genre exploded all over mainstream with the release of the hit song, Gasolina, by Daddy Yankee in 2004. And Daddy Yankee was everywhere. MTV, Time Magazine, even the campaign trail. I just wanna say thank you, Daddy Yankee. That's right, you know a genre is big when the old white Republicans start calling. For a little while, reggaeton was huge. But then record companies moved on and it disappeared in much of America, which basically means most Americans thought it didn't exist anymore. We're like a baby who falls for peekaboo, but with Latin music. But even as America forgot about it, reggaeton went through a rebirth in Medellin, Colombia, the city you recognize from Narcos. Colombian artists like J Balvin, Raycon, and Carol G gave reggaeton a new, more mainstream sound with lyrics that focused less on violence and more on sex and romance. Like if Neo became Neo. It grew and grew in popularity until America caught on again with Despacito. That's right. Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee took over the globe with Despacito. It was number one for 16 weeks. This song was so popular, even racists were learning Spanish.
Como say, de say, go back to your own country. And since Despacito, reggaeton has kept its hold in America, which is great because this is a genre that is still evolving and becoming more inclusive. You know, it grew out of a rich Hispanic heritage of. Oh, seriously, that neighbor again? Hey, sorry about before, but can you actually turn it up? Everyone downstairs started dancing and I just want to keep the party going. Okay, I don't know how you got in here, but sure. Can we turn it up, please? Thank you. No, thank you. You can get out now. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hello, friends. I'm Atlanta Ray celebrity Dulce Sloan. Now, Atlanta has been called many things. Black Mecca, Wakanda, a black utopia. It's basically the opposite of Portland, Oregon. But does the A live up to the hype? I'm at Pond City Market to talk to fellow ATLian and cultural curator, Bane Joyner of Atlanta Influences Everything to find out. My name is Bane Joyner, co-founder of Atlanta Influences Everything, which is a civic-minded creative consultancy known for a popular phrase and shirt in Atlanta. You said a lot of, it sounds like a very Atlanta thing because it sounds like you got to, a bunch of like slashes on your business card. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you also DJ? Nope, but there's a DJ in this story. There's always a DJ. There's always a DJ. <laughs> okay, we've been talking about this question for decades. As black people who live in Atlanta or who are from Atlanta, is Atlanta a black utopia? I, I don't know if I would say a utopia. We still in America. Black Mecca, black utopia, Wakanda, uh, all of the things. It, it's it's a place where where black people are comfortable. Right. Utopia makes it seem like, you know, ain't no crime, ain't, you know, ain't, right. no, ain't no problems. You know what I'm saying? Well, so. it is interesting because where your store is, we're in the pull-up and we're at Pont City Market, but 
you know and I know for a long time on this back street, this street used to be very sketchy. Mm -hmm. Man, it's, it's crazy you say that because the other piece of that, remember the name of the Kroger that was right here? Uh, yes, and I don't care how, I know y'all call it Beltline Kroger, it's Murder Kroger. <laughs> we don't care. And when they tried to change it, we called it Murder Kroger. <laughs> so this is a, a multi-layered thing. Yeah, there, there are the perceived uh, streets paved with gold for, for black people to achieve whatever they are trying to achieve without right. a, a barrier. Right. But there's also like multi-layered classism here too. Mm -hmm. That's just how black it is. You know, right. it's, it's, it's aggressively black where it's tribal like Wakanda. Right. It's a safe black place to be black and you have a fair shot to make it what you want it to be. Do you think that black people here have a different experience than black people from other places because we've seen generations of black wealth and black higher education and just upward mobility for black people? It is rooted in the black narrative, kind of going back to W.E.B. Du Bois and, and Booker T. Washington's debate on blackness that right. took place on the Atlanta University Center campus. So yeah, and we want to tell that narrative all the way up. But if you look, none of these other black cities have anything like the Atlanta University Center. Right, so there are four HBCUs, historically black college universities in Atlanta. It's Morris Brown, Clark Atlanta, Spelman, and Morehouse. And so, you know, as people grew up here, to see like not only one black school, but four black universities. Yeah, and so it's that post-secondary education right. that Oakland, Chicago, Detroit, they don't have the Morehouse and Spelman-y thing. And I think along with the consistent black mayors, yes. that became the attraction. Is the fact that Atlanta has had black mayors for 40 some odd years, has that made a significant impact on the city? Most definitely. And the mayor that kind of set everything off, Maynard Jackson, he put forth those policies and took that risk. He understood that police chief, police force, mm -hmm. superintendent, teachers, everything that the public sector could touch, that that also had to be on mission, like what he saw. And if he couldn't get buy-in from the working class people in those sectors, mm -hmm. that this was the mission. So everybody got to get along. So we have to understand. So, I mean, that's a very interesting thing for you to come, for someone to come in and just go, especially a black man to come in and go, Okay, we got a chance. Yeah. So, compared to the rest of the country, is it easy to be black in Atlanta? So the way we engage with blackness, the way we engage with white people, mm -hmm. we didn't know that it was odd until you start traveling or you get these other stories. You're like, man, you, you talking to white people like that? Like, yeah. Yeah. You just have more confidence, whether it's louder, whether it's quiet confidence than yeah. the average black person. And we don't know that that's odd until people start exposing us to the rest of the world. And yeah. it's like, oh, you don't, you don't move like that where you from? I think white Atlantans are, are unique in their experience with, with blackness, for better yeah. or for worse. Atlanta seems to have become a safe place for that. As somebody who grew up here and from here, what do you love about Atlanta? The ability just to be, be my black self, you know, whatever I say that is. Yeah. I like that. So, there you have it. Atlanta might not be Wakanda, but it is a city where you can just be your black self. 
Explore more shows from the Daily Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.